0: Welcome to the YEGMS podcast. I hope you like the new opening. It was a little, I'm sure it's a little different. It's actually based on the 1955 sci-fi classic, This Island Earth, which was released by Universal International Pictures. Uh, it's, uh, By today's standards, it would be a very cheesy sci-fi movie. And if you ever saw the Mystery Science Theater 3000 feature film, it's actually the movie that they lampoon and that's how I was initially initially introduced to it sometime in the mid to late 90's um, and you can actually find it on the internet archive if you go to Google and in and, uh, search internet archive go onto that website search this island earth and you can watch the whole movie for free you can even download it if you so choose um, the internet archive is pretty amazing that way they have all kinds of Stuff that's in the public domain that you can download, have a look at, and and, uh, I guess have some fun with. I mean, if you uh, like older stuff. Um, Now, obviously, there's a change of format. This is the very first video podcast that I've done. And the reason for the change, it was suggested to me a while ago uh, by a buddy that maybe I should start. You know, taping when I do the podcast, putting it on YouTube to uh, make it more accessible, more fun. You know, some people are visual, some people are more auditory. And, you know, obviously YouTube gets a ton of traffic. It was just a different avenue to put it on. And it's taken me till now to do so, but... uh, you know, like I've, I've joked with people that I have a, a face for radio and a, and a voice for the silent movies, so <laughs> I, this wasn't the obvious thing for me, but I'm going to give it a try because uh, part of doing the internet for me is really learning how to do all this stuff. And it's fascinating to me that, you know, that we live in a day and age that literally anybody with, uh, with, a, with a home computer can broadcast himself around the world. And... I remember I was reading a a, you know I work in sales during the day, and I was reading a marketing book a few years ago, and when things like the App Store and iTunes and those things sorts of things came out, what they found was I mean there's obviously the the top sellers that are going to sell millions of copies and thousands of copies and in that, but there was still money to be made in lesser known stuff, which this podcast certainly is, not that I make any money on, but, but, but what the point I'm making is is that they found that you know even regional stuff, uh, really old stuff that really obscure stuff would still sell, obviously not thousands of units, but when you're releasing something digitally, and you know. At, at a 99 cent price point or in this case in, in the case of this, this podcast i mean it's free for anyone to to who, who's interested to listen to or watch or that there was still a market for it i mean this the, this podcast person is, is an example that i mean you know my my best episode will get several hundred listeners which may not seem like a lot but to me it's pretty amazing and, and the amazing part of that is is those listeners are, I, you know, I'm based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and initially the, the podcast was, was directed towards people in this market. But, you know, over half my listeners now are in the United States. There's a few in the UK. Um, you know, it's been been fascinating. I mean, I've even got emails from India. So it's it's uh, uh, India and Iran. And, I mean, it's it's just fascinating to me that it has that kind of reach. And... Which brings me to another sort of format change is that each episode now my plan is to have a specific topic for each episode. Uh, I I think I need to start bringing a little bit more focus to to this if I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, I'm not obviously professionally trained in media or being a host or a journalist or anything like that, but I'm just a guy with MS that decided that he wanted to learn how to do stuff on the internet and thought I would give this a shot. And By anyway, so now I'm going to have a specific topic for each episode just to bring a little bit more focus. And that way when people are searching for it, maybe they're searching for for stuff on a specific topic and that'll be more helpful that way. It's something I'm going to try for a while and and see. Um, I think the way I was doing it before was getting stale and it was getting old. And this way it just kind of brings something new, new to the table. Uh, On that note, now, my initial idea for doing, for the topic for the first episode, was I was actually thinking about doing a full episode on exercise and multiple sclerosis. And in doing research online at, at PubMed and, and a few other sites, I actually came across a paper at PubMed that I thought, wow, I could probably do, a whole episode on just on that. Uh prim- and primarily because it really spoke to me and it really resonated to me and I'm sure it resonates it would resonate with a lot of people out there with you know, a lot of the MS warriors out there that are uh struggling with the disease and I and uh so for me it was compelling and something that I wanted to to share, and I didn't think I could gloss over it and, and, and pack it into 50 or 60 minutes. Um, so I decided to do that. So without making way too long of an introduction, the paper that I found is, oops, wrong page. This one, I'll move my face here. So this is the paper that I found. It's a qualitative investigation of exercising with MS and the impact on spousal relationship. This really spoke to me uh, on a number of levels, um, and it was just something I thought was really important to share. I mean, right there where I got, and for those of you listening, I'm, what I've done is I've just pulled up an image of, of the paper, and uh, I'm just gonna highlight a few of the things that I found really interesting and then uh, later in the episode, I'm going to talk about how it relates to my own, my own journey. Um, so first off, uh, right off of the very first page, you know, under results, and this is a quote from the, from the study. The results displayed the important physical, psychological, and social benefits of involvement in an exercise program spouses' help to counteract barriers and facilitate exercise and are well aware of the integral role they play in their partner's health and well-being. Spouses are also valued, sorry, spouses also valued the increased independence they gained in the form of reduced caregiving responsibilities and enhanced social opportunities as a result of the improved physical fun- function of their partner. These findings contracts sorry these findings contrast the severe strain on spousal relationships that is often reported in studies on people living with MS. And I do apologize. I I, I do struggle from reading from a page out loud. Um, yeah, but right there. I mean, it, you know, that kind of sums up a lot of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it. Because I know one of the toughest things for me in my in, in my world was was realizing that. Yeah, MS has an impact on me, but it also has a very definite impact on uh, my partner. So, so looking through uh, this paper here, one thing I wanted to uh, another another note right out of the introduction. So here's another quote: those in those individuals who contract MS are at risk of diseases associated with. I move my face again. Diseases associated with sedentary living due to the fact that the symptoms of a mess, primarily fatigue and heat sensitivity, often make exercise and physical activity uncomfortable. One of the now for people who've listened to the podcast regularly, they would know, obviously I I've run um, Several ultra marathons, two to raise money for uh, multiple sclerosis. And I've been asked about how I deal with both fatigue and heat sensitivity. Um, I don't have a good answer on how, on how I, I manage it. Um, what I can tell you is that with fatigue, I taught myself a trick. I remind myself when I don't feel like exercising because I'm fatigued, and, and we all know those mornings, right? We're in those days where, the only way I can explain it to my wife and other people is when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like you've slept at all. You could have slept 10 hours and it doesn't matter. You, you feel like you haven't slept at all. So, and I think every, every MS or every MS Wire experiences it differently, but I certainly, Understand that that part of it. So the trick I taught myself was to remind myself that physically there was nothing wrong with me. That that this was a, a, a something disconnected in my brain, and in my nervous system, that was making me feel that way. But that wasn't. There was no reason why I couldn't go for a run or whatever I was going to do that that day or whatever my plan was. So. And really, then, then it would just became a question of will, and it was willpower. And sometimes I failed, but the times that I did, and I found that, especially running, if i run, if I could get myself to run for like five to ten minutes, after after about five or ten minutes, the fatigue would go away. Um, probably just because other chemicals and th- you know other chemicals and hormones start kicking in and and taking over. Um, that was definitely a trick there. Now the heat sensitivity, I really don't have. You know, I don't have a, a good answer for that. I, I just, I don't. I think it's different for everyone. I know that I'm fine if it's 20 between 20 to 30 degrees outside. I don't know. Sorry for my US listeners. I have no idea what that's in, that is in Fahrenheit. I would imagine it's between 80 and 90. Um, but if I'm, in a, if I'm inside and it's warm, I, that's when it gets me. As long as there's air moving around me, I, I'm, for the most part, OK. Uh, but if I'm in a vehicle where the, somebody likes it really warm, uh, my in-laws' house, for example, they like it really warm. Um, I can only last a few hours before, literally, my, I want to crawl under my own skin. Uh, but it definitely is a barrier I mean both those things fatigue and, and and heat sensitivity are definitely both barriers for for people with MS who want to exercise and, and, and the sad part about that is, is that exercise outside of some of the other interventions that you can do is probably one of the more most important and most impactful things you can do um, So. That's that, you know, that was that piece of the paper that I found interesting. Um, now, the way that they set up the study, it was they just basically interviewed people with, their, with MS and their partners, and they had them, you know, commit to doing a, uh, I believe it was a 12 week exercise program. So here's just some highlights, and this is why, and I would encourage anyone listening or watching to go to ownmultiple com and in the companion you notes, know, like in the blog post for this. Uh, for this podcast. I'll have a link where you can download the paper or you can just on the top left of the website you can go in and um, it says research uh, research and resources you click that and then I've got a whole whack of papers there that I've accumulated people either sent sent to me, I've downloaded them from PubMed um, that you can read and this is one of them and uh, I would encourage anyone to read it and the nice thing about this one there isn't a lot of sciencey stuff in it. It's, it's, it's a straight study where they're interviewing people and just asking for um, their feedback on how things are going. So anyway, here's some of the feedback. and, and, and uh, now Here's one example, and this is a quote from the study. John, a spouse, acknowledged how close he and his wife were to a complete breakdown of their relationship due to her deteriorating condition and the mental toil it was taking on both of them. And he's quoted as saying, we were both to the point where we, sorry, where we were almost ready to divorce or separate because of her disease, taking her down. I had to do everything, all the housework and the laundry, sometimes helping her get dressed. And for a while after she broke her ankle, we were really, really in a bad place for a while. And one of the things I found while reading this and you know i'm very fortunate in the sense that i'm still able to run i can function pretty much close to normal Um, but i do have my days and i have my days where i'm just not there and it's taken me a long time to realize especially because my you know we have my wife and i have a a five-year-old and a three-year-old the impact and the toll that that takes on her um, it took me a while to be really cognizant of the fact that okay so when i'm out of the game that's really taking that's really increasing her her load and the stress on her and i'm not saying i'm perfect uh, f- certainly i'm far from that but i think the fact i think realizing stuff is half half the battle sometimes and uh talking about it um Here's another uh, quote, and this is from Louise, another spouse, spoke of the anger that often accompanies a diagnosis of MS. One of the th- and this, is a, this is quoting Louise. One of the things that I realized about people with MS and their families, especially partners, is that there's a- there is an anger. One man with MS we know, younger, like mid-30s, early 40s, and he's now a disability. The anger is increasing in that family, and while his wife is dealing with the anger, he's retreating. He's doing what I saw my partner doing a few years ago. The anger is something I definitely understand. It's something I wholeheartedly understand. It's, um, and for me, it started 10 minutes after my diagnosis. I'll never forget that day. I mean, I. mean, Where I was diagnosed was the University of Alberta here in Edmonton and they have a multiple sclerosis department and it's on the, I don't know, say 4th or 5th or 10th floor, it doesn't matter, I had to get off an elevator. And when I got off the elevator, right when you get off the elevator, the, the name of the department's right on the wall there and it's like multiple sclerosis department or of the University of Alberta. And I remember when those elevator doors closed, in my mind it felt like a dungeon door closing. I hadn't been diagnosed yet. I was about 25 minutes away from being officially diagnosed, but I knew it was coming. I mean, I think at that point, the issues I've been having, I couldn't see out of one eye. I couldn't get up and lost my balance, all that stuff. I knew it was coming. I mean, it, it, you don't go through an attack like I went through and expect you know, them to say, oh, yeah, everything's great. Um, you know, especially since I was still recovering at that time, so, and I remember leaving that appointment fairly bewildered, because I literally went in the office, the neurologist threw my MRI up on that lit thing that, uh, you know, so the light comes through and they can see the, you know, the, uh, the lesions and the and then just a very cold tone. He just said, yeah, Mr. Wingrave, you've got MRI confirmed, multiple sclerosis. And then it felt like he just said, okay, and it, you know, you'll go into the next room and the MS nurse will come in and start going over your options. And the options I was given were, were drugs and not a, not a word about exercise, which that still frustrates me to this day. Um, you know, I understand that there's a lot of case studies and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of evidence that you know the MS drugs can have uh, can keep you from re- progressing uh, or slow down the progression. So I would never encourage somebody not to take them, but exercise is also huge, and I, it frustrates me that 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 that's left out and not with every neural but I, I think that you know large part it's kind of like you know take a pill and come in for every your six-month checkup and but they don't talk to you about changing your lifestyle or any of that stuff it was just like here are your drug options and away you go but I remember getting in my car and driving away from that appointment and I felt I felt pity for myself for not even 10 minutes and then it went from that to just rage And it wasn't anger it was rage and and i know when i you know i have to tell my parents that i you know especially with my mom i think there was some anger there not obviously with me but just that that it happened and um but i mean here we are i mean that was 10 years ago and still doing well i'm still running i'm still living a life and um but anyway next part of the paper that i found study that i found interesting study that i found interesting was talking about psychological outlooks because you know i think with a lot of MSers, we a lot of us and including myself we have uh we're susceptible to depression and anxiety and and in my case bipolar so I think like, i was diagnosed in 2011 with uh, a lack of uh m- you know um, mental health issues um, well let's face it you got to be crazy to want to run 80k in a day so um But I do know that it affects my, you know, exercising regularly definitely affects my mental outlooks. I found it really interesting that in this study they noted that. So here's a quote. Just as as notable as the physical benefits was the extent to which exercise positively affected participants' state of mind and, importantly, their their perceived quality of life. Small improvements in physical strength translated into meaningful improvements in day-to-day living. Spouses reiterated the positive effect that exercise had not just on their partner's physical health, but also on their attitude. And this is a quote from Karen. And she's the spouse of somebody who has MS. And her quote is, due to the exercise, this is her quote. He comes home positive. He feels better about himself. He feels that he's accomplished something. He notices that he can do things better. Just simple tasks that he would do every day that he feels more confident about. Even our interpersonal relationship, he's more positive. He's more engaged. He comes home happier. Sorry, that wasn't Karen. That was a, that was the Lou, Louise that I quoted before. But either way, I think the you know the quote it says what what it needs to. Um, now, one of the things of the study that, that they point out, there were three major therm, therms, There was three major themes that emerged from the analysis, I and mean, they were. Maintaining independence, overcoming isolation, and negotiating if exercise is worth it. Now the quotes I just mentioned, I should actually mention the three points before. They are from the maintaining independence portion of of the study. But isolation is an important one too, and if you are Like I'm, I'm, I'm different in the sense that I'm. I like exercising by myself, and I know that uh, that's a. I'm not in the majority. I'm in the minority. Uh, I know for myself that, going for a run for three or four hours is. Uh, for me, it's very. Therapeutic. It's. Uh, it's almost meditative, in a way. It, it gives me time just to sort through things and. But most people aren't that way. Like even my wife, and she's not an MSR obviously, but she likes group exercises and it's been really great. She's got a great group of ladies that now she goes and exercises with. Um, but the negotiation, uh, the theme camp, the negotiation if exercise is worth it. Now I'll touch on my personal situation uh, when I talk about that, but that's an important theme because if there's a perceived value for both people, in the marriage or partnership or what have you. Um, obviously, the, like a, a, there has to be a, a negotiation takes place to make sure that the, there's time to do it. And I know in my marriage it goes both ways. I have to negotiate to make sure that, you know, can I go for a run on, on Saturday, because she knows when I go for a run, it, I mean, I could be gone for four or five hours. Um, and for her, same thing. She likes to get up at an ungodly hours in the morning and go with the girls that she works out with. I don't, I've never understood that. Why? There's two things with exercise I don't understand. Burpees and getting up early. I have no idea why that seems to be, you haven't worked out unless you got up really, really, really early and done, and, and done some burpees. I hate doing burpees. I refuse. You know, the, when I go to the November Project here in Edmonton, which is a basically a free workout club, and it's, of course, really early in the morning. They like to do burpees. When it comes to the burpee part, I don't do them. I refuse. I I, I just think they're dumb. <laughs> I never like them. And I'm just, I mean, I'm 40 years old. I'm at the point in my life where if I don't want to do a burpee, guess what? I'm not doing it. But anyway, yeah, she likes to get up really, really early in the morning. But she has to... Yeah, well sorry, and I don't understand the early morning part. I mean there's There's twenty four hours in the day. Why would you get up at four fifty AM to go work out between five thirty and six thirty? Why not do it in the evening or something? I don't know. That's me. Anyway. But when she does go, she, you know, wants to make sure that I get enough sleep and that and um you know, so she'll ask me, are you okay getting getting up with you know Bell Belle, our 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 oldest, she's five, she's go, goes to preschool now, and we have to get her on the bus at seven seven twenty-eight or something in the morning. So are you okay getting up with her? And sure, no, you know, but it's but it's that kind of thing, making sure that we both have enough time to to fit it into our schedule. And this is kind of what the paper starts talking about. But it, you know, it's it's more than that here because some of these MS's at the interview, I mean, they're far more mobility challenged than I am. Um, but it still, it still speaks to that. Uh, some other points from the, from the study that I found interesting. I'm going to read two more long quotes, and then I'm going to move on from the study. Uh, in the discussion section, uh, the study reads, Specifically, all of the participants with MS found great physical benefits to exercise. One of our participants noted that he was growing increasingly reliant on a wheelchair prior to starting his current exercise program. But he no longer requires one. Others described improvements that were slightly less dramatic, such as regaining the ability to do household chores or visit friends, but were nevertheless important advances to their physical functioning and quality of life. The psychological benefits were also evident and often emphasized by the spouses with comments such as, he comes home happier, he feels better about himself. Intertwined with the psychological component was the social interaction which constituted a third major benefit. This was clearly a meaningful aspect of exercise for our participants who were exercising in a group setting, all of whom indicated they would find it exceedingly difficult to, difficult to exercise on their own. I think I highlighted that, those two paragraphs because I, I think that pretty much sums it up. I, th- I shouldn't say I think. I know... Well, it's not even that I know. Everyone knows. Exercise improves improves your health and improves you physically. And it also improves your mental well-being. It it alleviates stress. It normalizes your hormones. It balances you. So, There's not a person on this planet, MS or not, who can't benefit from exercise. Just can't. I have air quotes, normal friends who claim that, nah, I can't exercise. I'm not a runner. I'm not a weightlifter. I'm not a... And, I, and I, I don't buy it. Anyone can improve their quality of life by exercising. Now, I, I, I should qualify that. I'm not suggesting to somebody that somebody in a wheelchair can just jump up and start running marathons. I'm not suggesting that. But there's exercises you can do seated. And if you can walk, but you're limited in your walking, there are exercises you can do. It really doesn't matter what your mobility is. There are exercises that you can do that'll have, that'll benefit you emotionally, and over time, benefit you physically. They just will. Uh, if you kind of walk right now and you, maybe you get to the point where you walk more. And uh, I remember being asked last year by somebody with MS, well, what do you think I should do? I mean, and I said, let's start, let's start with this. Walk, to the, walk from the, you know, set a goal that three times a week you're going to walk from the couch to the front door. And then the next week, change the goal from walk to the, instead of walking to the front door, open the front door and walk down three steps. And if you can do that set a goal to make it to the end of the driveway and if you can do that see if you can make it to the end of the block i mean it's just break it down into bite-sized pieces and over time as you see improvements keep raising the bar just a little just a little each time i mean if you're watching this and you're looking at me i mean i'm not i'm not built like a runner I got a spare tire around the middle, I'm far from the picture of athletics. I accept that. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't make me feel like any less of a person, and it's not the point. The point is I want to live as full a life as I can, and I understand that to do that I have to exercise. And I haven't been able to run since the first weekend of October, which has been really hard on me, because I have uh, issues with my Achilles and my right foot from running too much, ironically enough. So I've been riding the stationary bike every morning. I was on it for 44 minutes this morning and I was on it for 50-odd minutes yesterday morning. To be honest with you, I hate riding the stationary bike. I hate riding a bike. To be honest with you, I, unless I'm riding a, a mountain bike down a mountain, not up it, down it, I don't like it. But I have to do something. I can't quit. So I've committed myself that, you know, five to six days a week I'm on that stupid bike every morning. I listen to podcasts every morning while I ride the bike. Because I understand that physically it has an impact and mentally it has an impact. So I'm kind of getting preachy there, so I'll move on. Now the conclusion, I'll read one more one more paragraph, uh, a couple more paragraphs from this. Um, so the conclusion reads, Rather than an x. Ex- Sorry, let me start that again. Rather than an exor... Oh. Okay, I'm going to start again. Rather than a downward decline in physical ability that is common with MS, Our participants spoke of a positive reversal in physical function, which has had far-reaching implications for multiple aspects of their lives, including their psychological outlook and their sense of independence, overcoming isolation, and their relationship with their spouses. Spouses can often help to counteract barriers and facilitate exercise, and our interviewers suggest they are well aware of the important role they play so once again i'm gonna uh, i'm not gonna read any more from this study but i will leave a link so that you can download it read it for yourself uh in the companion notes and it'll be in the resources sorry research and resources section of the website the links in the top left of omaltosclerosis.com and i would really really encourage anyone listening that is either has ms or or is a family or or friend of somebody with ms to read it um because it can have a huge impact regardless of what stage that they're at it's uh i mean it's one of those things that really can't be debated being active is just better for you than not being active period so now how this has affected my own life now for you guys listening and not, not watching, I just brought up a picture. And for those watching, I, I, I apologize for how pixelated it is. It was taken in 2009, and it was taken with a phone circa 2009, so hence the pixelation. But what, is it, what, is it, what the picture depicts is I'm, in that picture right there, I'm about 25 meters from the finish line of the very first half marathon I ever ran. And the lady in purple was high-fiving me. That is my sister. And what's funny about this picture is, as you can see, now you can't see this if you're listening, but um, it's very clearly, you know, you're running up to the the finish line. And she ran out from the crowd. And she was cheering and crying. and uh, It was was pretty emotional for all my family that was there. Uh, This is two years after I was diagnosed. And, you know, I was bedridden for five months, four or five months. And I think that for them to see me, you know, finishing a, a half marathon was a pretty impactful. But the funny part about this is, you know, as I'm running up, you've got the, the number placard on you and the announcer reads your number and he starts reading, you know, this is Sean so-and-so from wherever. And first sec- half marathon, whatever he said. But as he's saying my name, he stops, pauses, and says to the lady in purple, you can't be on the track. <laughs> so actually, and you can't see it because it's pixelating. I'm starting to laugh at that point uh, because it's pretty funny. So, so that was uh, September, September long weekend of 2009. Here's me crossing the finish line. And I know for people listening, there's not much else to describe there. I'm just crossing the finish line. It's nothing earth-shattering. Now, this next picture, again, I apologize for it's pixelated. Uh, this, the phone I was using, again, this is 2009, so it's amazing how the technology improved. It's a picture of the Denver airport, and the reason why I've included this slide in here is because... Two hours after I crossed the finish line of that half marathon, I had to be on a plane to go to Denver. No, I guess it would have been about three or four hours, I would have to clear customs. But anyway, it doesn't matter. And then I flew to Denver because I had to go to a conference for work uh, the following Monday. And so I flew to Denver thinking, oh, no problem. I'll just run a half marathon get on a plane. And this is an economy class C. No big deal. So we land in Denver. And I go to get out of my chair and I'm on the aisle. I can't get up. My legs had seized. <laughs> so, you know, the person beside me kind of had to crawl over top of me. And I said, I just had to apologize. I'm like, I can't get up. So finally, after everybody leads and leaves the plane, the uh, flight attendants realize I'm still sitting in my seat. And they come over and they say, Sir, is there a problem? I said, Yeah. Yeah, there's a problem. And they said, What's the problem? I said, I, I can't get up. And they're all worried, like I was having some sort of condition. I said, "No, no." and I explained to them what happened. I'm like, "Yeah, I ran a half marathon this morning. It was the first one I've ever run, and my legs are seized up." So two of them really had to like help me, like they helped me stand. And I yelped because it, I mean it, you know, my legs were pretty seized. Once I got walking, I made through the airport, but it was pretty embarrassing. Um, so I guess you know, write this down that if you ever plan on running a a half marathon and you've never done don't get on a plane and especially on a small suite where you can't stretch out your legs so which has nothing to do with this podcast I just thought it was funny so I thought I'd include it now this pic next picture and for those of you listening you can't see it but it's me uh basically covered in frost my whole face to uh wool cap for the for people in the US and UK UK we call those toques here in Canada uh i'm wearing a, a face guard you can barely see me uh, and i'm just covered in frost because i this is christmas day of 2009 and i met my and this all ties into the spouse thing you're going to see where i'm going here i met my wife about two and a half weeks before this picture was taken and where this picture was taken my my sister used to live out on a farm and we had christmas at her place that that year and I went cross-country skiing in the field. And it was pretty cold, as you can tell. And I got covered in frost. And even my eyelashes have frost on them. And, but the reason why I include this picture is that Christmas, uh, like I said, I met my wife about two and a half weeks prior. She was with her family over Christmas, and I was with mine. And I don't think we went more than a half an hour without sending a text message. Um, We fell for each other pretty quick, which leads to this next picture. And again, for you guys that are listening, it's just a picture of my wife and I. And the reason why I include it is when I met my wife, I think after about half an hour of our first date, it was going well. And all I kept thinking to myself over and over is, don't screw this up. How do you not screw this up? So this this particular picture is we are standing in the middle of a frozen lake just outside at the Jasper Park Lodge, and you can see one of the lodge buildings in the background. For those of you who are not familiar with Alberta, um, the Jasper Park Lodge is a pretty fancy hotel. I mean, I I uh, I spent every nickel that I had to take her there, but I wanted to really wow her. I wanted to make sure that. She didn't get away. Um, cause I just knew how special she was. And so on our picture, we we're both smiling in that. But so we went to the Jasper Park Lodge and then we came home and it was a couple weeks after that, I had to tell her cause it was getting serious really, really fast. Like this is January of 2010. We got married in August of 2010. We met in December of 2009. We were engaged sometime in February of 2010. That's, we both just knew. And, but as, as I was aware of where it was going, I, you know, the realization dawned on me, you gotta tell her about your MS. And it, I've never been so terrified in my whole life um, you know, here's the woman of your dreams, but you have to tell her this thing and she might just decide that no. So I told her. It was sometime in that January. And her reaction was just sort of okay. And then I asked her, does this change anything for you? No. Nope. That was her answer. No. I think I probably proposed a week or two later. I mean, she was just willing to accept me, you know, just for who I was. And uh, I mean, I already knew There was no turning back after that. So, now how this relates to exercise and MS, and the support of your partner. So after we got married, this is my, I just pulled up another picture for the people listening. That's my daughter, Bella. And this is the picture that's there. Is That is my last training run, the morning of my last training run before the really long run 2015. It's just her and I at the back door just before I'm about to leave anyway so when, you know, we got married in August of 2010 but from the time we got engaged to probably a year or two after we probably a year and a bit after uh, we were married for sure until Bella was born in May 2011 yeah so it was probably a good year and a half maybe even two years that I kind of quit, I gone away from exercising and lo and behold um the mental health stuff really started to get uh, in the way and it caused a lot of problems and i caused a lot of problems and i wasn't doing well with my ms the fatigue was really you know getting to me and so when i went so i ended up going for counseling and they diagnosed me with depression and anxiety disorder and they said you're possibly bipolar and they prescribed me some pretty powerful drugs. And my wife and I talked about it, and we um, came to the mutual decision that, try, let's just try exercise and diet, and, and, um, and as long as I don't have any flare-ups either with some of the, you know, the anxiety and bipolar stuff, and, and as long as my MS settles down, and obviously I was already, I was taking Copax all the time. I was taking MS drugs at the time. Um, but as long as we don't see any flare-ups that way, we'll, um, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Well, that was in 2011. And I've never ever taken the, uh, whatever it was, the, starts with a P, I can't remember the name of it, but whatever they prescribed me then, I've never taken it. But then as I started running and exercising more and feeling better, then I got the, the crackpot idea that I was going to run... 80 kilometers in a day to run money for the Emma Society. Well, once I realized what the training was like, I mean, it was, a, you know, we're talking five or six days of hard training for, you know, a year. And in order to do that, um, you know, it's a big time commitment. And I think near the end of, you know, the really long run in 2015, um, you know I think shoot my wife was getting a little afraid because I mean I was out of the house We have young kids you know it was a lot to ask but so the run came and then I didn't really I really kinda just really after that run I just kinda put my feet up and put her in cruise control for a good four or five months but then obviously you know my mood and things started I should flip this picture so sorry for the people listening I just flipped the picture again it's a picture of my wife and I at the end she's holding my son at the the end the finish line at the at the first really long run anyway um so I think when I started when I took that time off again some of the old demons started popping their head up and really it's to the point now where The second I'm getting any hints of depression, where I'm feeling anxious, if I'm moody, if I'm having issues with fatigue, my wife will literally now, like it's been a full 180, 180, will hand me my shoes and say, go for a run, get out of here. You know, kind of speaking back to that study, I mean, she sees the impact and how it, it, it affects me not only, you know, with with regards to the MS, but physically, mentally, spiritually, I mean, it all, it it really all ties together. So, um, and, you know, she's my biggest supporter, and just, um, yeah, it's been really, really amazing. Um, But you can't just, you know, you're not on an island with your with your wife there's other you know it's that old saying it's very similar to that saying that, that you know it takes a village to raise, raise a child um, but you are a part of your village and for those people listening i just flipped i just flipped the pictures again and what this picture is of is a really 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 steep staircase that comes out of the edmonton river valley and this staircase what's pictured you're actually only seeing the last, I think it's the last 50 steps. And there's actually 220 steps here. And it's quite a steep incline. And in the picture, the top left is my dad. The sort of middle is my wife piggybacking my son up a 220 step steep staircase. I mean, she's a monster. I mean, she's incredible that way. I mean, she was pretty dead after doing that. And then on the right-hand side is my daughter, Belle. And in the and in the black, the lady in the black down there with the pink shoes, that's my sister. The guy with no shirt on, don't know who he is. It's not me. I wish I had that body. <laughs> but no, it's not me. And my mom must have must be out, out of frame. She must be a little further down, but this staircase is about 15 kilometers from my house, and what I do is I run from my house to the bottom of the staircase and I run up and down it. Until my legs are absolutely dead then i then I run home i won't, I won't lie the run home is uh they're still walking <laughs> but um but I would tell them about it, and then you know last summer you know before they asked, well, can we come and uh do some stairs with you so the whole the whole family came out and started doing the stairs and uh you know, it takes a lot of support. Um, I mean, every MSer needs support, and I'm just, you know, not you know, besides my wife, I'm I'm just. I could be the luckiest guy on earth with with in terms of having the family that I do, that supports it the way that I do, and and uh, yeah. And again, for the people listening, I just flipped the slides again, and the next is just a typical selfie where we all kind of started crowding in to one picture. I should move my face so you can see my dad's face a little bit there. Um, yeah, so you know, I don't really know what's to say. I and mean, you got to you have to have a, you got to have a big support network, and you got to believe in yourself, but you also it's easier to believe in yourself when you've got a few bunch of people behind you believing in you. And... You know, I know when I started running and that I had a lot of people tell me, you can't do that. Well, number one, because I'm just not built for it, according to them. Uh, and I always make the joke. I mean, you know, if there was a, I'm for sure as far as 40-year-old fat guys who run ultra marathons, I'm for sure in the top, <laughs> top 10 in the world, maybe even top five. <laughs> um, but in order to do so, you, you, know, you have to have a lot of support. And so anyway, with the long run this year, my wife became my biggest fan. And uh, the next slide that I just pulled up, Sorry for the people listening. There's a lot of pictures in on this last little bit, but I'll try to describe my best I can. We're actually in Jasper again, but that's my son there, and we're standing in front of Jasper the Bear. And we're on our way to a tune-up ultra marathon that I went to called the Walk in the Park in Kamloops in September. This is just taken in September of this year. And uh, she, you know, you talk about the negotiation and and... and and having a partner who really understands how it makes a difference in your life. This is just proof positive. I mean, she was happy to go. We brought the kids. I mean, it's an eight-hour drive from from our house, but um, you know we, we made a weekend of it, and yeah, I, sorry, I'm just, I, 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 I kind of pause there because I'm looking at her smile, it makes me smile so. This picture here is, and again, sorry for the people listening, but it's my wife cheering me. Somebody got caught a picture of her cheering me come over to the finish line of that ultra. And you know, this is a pretty steep one, and I've been running for I think four hours or something at this point, and I'm coming into the finish line. And, and uh, the the guy smiling in the back there, it's my my buddy Adam. Um, anyway, it's just you know, this kind of shows that the support you need from your spouse. Which speaks to that study, you just need that support. Um, because if she, if they're not supporting it, it's very difficult to do. But if they believe in it and they believe in you, I mean, you, you can move mountains. And uh, this final picture is just my favorite. This is just before that ultra, but I think it's my favorite. And, um, you know, I hope that everyone listening has a, partner like I do. I mean, she's beautiful. She's a, she's amazing. And she's just my reason for being. And, uh... Um, yeah, I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm just gonna move on there. So, that is the very first video version of the YEGMS podcast. You know, obviously you can find me at my blog at sclerosis.com if you're interested in reading that study the study that i talked about in this episode you can absolutely go there i will leave links uh, to the you know to the paper so you can download it and check it out yourself if you want to follow me on twitter ownms.com one that's o-w-n-m-s dot one the number one you can also find me on itunes soundcloud and stitcher radio just by searching yegms um, you can also, you know, it'd would, it would be awesome if you, you, you know, you subscribe to the uh, the YouTube channel, and um, yeah, you can find me a million different ways. So, um, as always, if you would ever be interested in being a guest on the on the podcast, we can do it via Skype, via phone, via FaceTime, however you want to do it. Um, Happy to have you on. And if you disagree with me, happy to have you on. I mean, differing points of view are very, very important because I, I, i'm just I'm just a normal guy. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be right. I mean, uh, I can't claim any sort of uh, authority on anything. I, I just can impart my own my own views and my own experiences and and I'd, I'd love to share yours if if they aren't. You know, if they're not necessarily in line with mine, there's nothing. Pro- there's no problem with a healthy de- debate. But anyway, that's the episode for this one. I, I hope it was helpful. And the next episode will be after Christmas for sure. Uh, that's going to get busy for me the next couple of weeks with my kids and that. And uh, so we'll do something, do another one in the new year. Um, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday and take care.